Our next speaker is His Excellency Dr. Abdurrahman Al Saeed, uh, a friend for three decades, actually three and a half decades. He spoke earlier today on the Education and Development uh, Panel and extended his uh, recollection of the late Senator Fulbright uh, to Mrs. Harriet uh, Fulbright. And I'm not sure how many people are aware that Senator Fulbright was the founding chair of the National Council on U.S.-Arab Relations advised National Advisory Board and re retained that position until his, his passing. Uh, so there are many fans of uh, the late Senator Fulbright in this audience and Mrs. Fulbright as well in their ongoing commitment and legacy on educational challenges. Uh, Dr. Al Saeed received his bachelor's degree in political science, his master's degree in human relations and communications at the University of Kansas, and his PhD in political sociology from the University of Missouri. Uh, the National Council, almost from the beginning of its existence and establishment in 1983, has been taking leadership delegations from the Congress, from the U.S. Armed Forces, from academe and elsewhere, journal journalists included, uh, to Saudi Arabia for extended empirical first-hand immersion in the issues between our, our two peoples. Almost from the beginning, uh, a central figure in receiving these delegations and liaising uh, between uh, the American visiting leaders and the leaders of Saudi Arabia's National Guard, it's the Haras al-Watani, uh, that King uh, Abdullah bin Abdulaziz al-Saud uh, was long uh, the commander of uh, from uh, the inception of its modernization version. Uh, so here's an individual who's, who's been a bridge for decades now in this particular relationship, and we couldn't be more delighted uh, than to have him here at this conference to this many people at this time, Dr. El Saeed. Good afternoon again. Uh, <clears throat> I recall uh, arriving in Washington around the end of 1975. At that time, uh, a new entity was uh, being started here. I think most of you know uh, the Center for Contemporary Arab Studies. I was about to write my PhD dissertation, and they told me that uh, you are welcome to uh, come and work with us here. Um, <clears throat> since then, the task uh, of helping to improve the, the Arab-American relationship has been one of my urgent preoccupations on both uh, the personal and the academic level and no doubt, uh, this is a source of great concern and interest to all of you. In fact, if the need to extend bridges of understanding between our two worlds has been uh, or has had a significant place in our minds at that time, 
then I think it is even more important and more urgent today. I will call it an imperative because our world is experiencing unprecedented changes requiring the highest level of alertness and understanding. Not, of course, to mention the fact that the list of issues requiring our mutual attention and cooperation are increasing. The list, the list is increasing exponentially and significantly as the various issues being discussed here have clearly shown. Discussed yesterday, discussed today, and, and will be discussed uh, later on. Contributions such as President Obama's speech in Cairo and his tireless efforts to bring peace to the world at large, for which he has been deservedly recognized, and, of course, uh, our, in, in our part of the world in particular, and the efforts of the custodian of the two holy mosques, King Abdullah bin Abdul Aziz, in seriously pursuing the path of dialogue and peace are most needed and indeed most welcome. Let me tell you what I'm trying to talk about today because I've, I have some difficulties since uh, the issues I'm going to mention here have been mentioned again and again. But what I'm trying to talk about is the vision that King Abdullah had in bridging, I think, the divide between our two worlds. Let me just bring a very small example. Uh, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was, um, I had the honor of being at the um, ceremony uh, of launching the Kaos University. I thought then, what if this university has been established in 2000, 2001 or 2002, would we have the 42, the best institutions in the world, 42 of them, joining us and being our partners in building this university? Definitely not. So what King Abdullah has been trying to do, I think, in building bridges, in promoting dialogue, and, of course, in the meantime, in building his country, has been heard and seen around the world and has been appreciated. What I would like to talk about here today is what is his vision for the future. As you know, uh, and as you probably have heard, King Abdullah is a doer, and so he has, he has a vision for the future, a vision for which all kinds of, all attention has been paid, all resources have been, uh, I think, uh, put in place. Uh, this vision, uh, as I see it, uh, revolves around four tracks. The first track, and the one that is closest to King Abdullah's heart, is the track of education and knowledge. He understands very clearly that uh, to bring Saudi Arabia 
from where it was to where he wants it to be is not going to be possible without serious work and effort in the fields of education and knowledge. That track starts, of course, as you know, from the primary schools. When we started looking at this in our country, we discovered that we had problems. We had problems with teachers who are not fully qualified to teach. And we discovered that, of course, we had problem with the curriculum that needed to be upgraded and to be brought uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to be in par with the curriculum in, in, in uh, developed countries. And for this reason, uh, our people, our people in, in our educational uh, setup in the university, the Ministry of Education, every place, they went all around the world to see the experiences in Singapore, in the United States, in, in Canada, in New Zealand. And they came back with the uh, information on why, for example, Singapore is so successful in, in its educational pursuit and why so many other countries are not. And, and they, of course, um, uh, uh, attended to that. The resources were being allocated. And uh, as I'm sure you have probably heard, 25% of Saudi Arabia's budget is allocated to education. That is not a small number, and it's not, it's not a small figure, since, of course, there are other requirements. But education takes primacy uh, in, in the, the mind and consideration of, of King Abdullah. <clears throat> uh, the Financial Times, of course, one of the world's most revered journals, has captured the essence of this effort in a recent article when it stated that King Abdullah has managed to place Saudi Arabia in the forefront of the countries of the Middle East and restored its pioneering significance as custodian of the two holy mosques and as an economic and financial and political heavyweight. Uh, <clears throat> This, of course, uh, on the educational level. Um, you probably heard the figure that in the last two years, the number of universities has increased from 8 to 24, plus 8 new private universities that are uh, very good universities, with, with very good curriculum, with very good teachers, with bringing in the experience of, of some of the best universities in the world. But the emphasis here actually has been not just on expanding the number of universities. The, the emphasis now is on quality, the quality of education that, being, that is being offered in our universities, and of course, King Abdullah University will be an incentive to the other universities. It, it will, uh, I think, uh, uh, show them the way and uh, how you uh, go about uh, building a better, uh, a better university. Um, the, the second track 
and his thinking and his mind and the way he's leading our country is significantly tied to education since education's outcome is immediately reflected in the economic arena. I mean by that the, uh, the effort on the economic front. Uh, and whether the discussion is in connection with Saudi Arabia's accession to the World Trade Organization with all that this means and encouraging the effort uh, encouraging the, the effort uh, uh, to have efficient financial rules and regulations or in the area of building more mature and efficient economic uh, uh, instruments in, 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 or infrastructure. Today, Saudi Arabia exports about 50% of the value of all Arab exports, including probably uh, some of the most sophisticated products, such as petrochemicals. But I am more proud about the fact that 85% of the people who work in our petrochemical plants are Saudis. More proud than the fact that, of course, we are great exporters. But the fact that our young uh, engineers are heading that effort is, is a source of great pride. I don't know if you have heard the discussion uh, this last summer about uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, I guess, uh, Saudi Arabian uh, petrochemicals uh, with the Chinese uh, and, and I think with the Indians. There was a discussion that Saudi Arabia is in fact uh, uh, exporting uh, you know, great amounts of petrochemicals to uh, India and to uh, uh, and to China, and that that was in fact uh, uh, well. The, but you look at our country ten years ago, and you look at it today, and you say, "Boy, what a leap this is! It really is a, a great leap forward." Uh, The other part of the economic uh, effort that is being done today, or that is being, I think, in the building of our economic infrastructure, uh, is the vision to build six economic cities. Each one eventually will be employing around 500,000, employing and housing around 500,000 people. Um, I've had uh, the privilege of visiting the King Abdullah Economic City, uh, Economic and Industrial City, about, I think, six months ago. Uh, I went there in the company of Helmut Schmidt and Mohammed Khatami and John Keretian and Roman Prodi and other uh, uh, ex-presidents uh, uh, and leaders of the, in, in the world. And what we saw was really impressive. Here is a new city being built from the ground with its port, with its petrochemical industry, with its offices, with its housing, and even with some of the most beautiful gardens I've ever seen. Uh, so, you know, the, to see uh, to have heard about the vision, you know, five years ago, 
and to go and see it materialize is actually uh, you know something that 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 brings uh, great hope and, and great happiness uh, to the mind as of course you know saudi arabia has been accepted in the uh, g20 and this is a source of great pride for us uh, it's it's um, something that we we felt uh, is is uh, a great recognition of the accomplishments uh, of the our financial and uh, uh, economic stewardess of, of our resources um, and and of course it's, it's a welcome uh, uh, gesture uh, someone has mentioned yesterday and I think today the fact that uh, uh, Saudi Arabia has been uh, it's, it's our position in the, uh, uh, on the list of countries that offer the easiest regulations and rules for, for new investments. Uh, we are on that list. Three years ago, we were number 86. This year, we are number 13. I think there is a great uh, symbolic uh, point here, something that, uh, that needs to be... Uh, I think uh, understood and, and uh, appreciated. <clears throat> uh, the third, I think, track one which emanates from the, the wise vision of King Abdullah and, and of his understanding of the nature of differences and conflicts dividing our contemporary world is the, uh, the dialogue, the concept of dialogue. This started, of course, many, many years in, in our country, uh, where people came from the different uh, intellectual background, maybe uh, also of different, uh, uh, I, I assume, educational backgrounds, and different parts of the country, tribal, city, everybody. They sat down, they talked, uh, thrashed uh, the issues, uh, argued about them. Discussions were long. Sometimes there were uh, difficult discussions. But eventually, uh, I want to tell you that dialogue has become, I guess, something of, I don't want to say ordinary, but it has become a way of life in my country. People uh, uh, have become used to the fact that uh, you could sit and argue. You could sit and put your point of view uh, and have the other listen to it and argue. And, and I think this is something that, that is very important on the road uh, of development for, for a third world country. It's very significant. Uh, then the king saw that there is a need, of course, to do something about, um, you know, the divide between cultures and religions, and uh, he started this with a meeting in Mecca uh, for which he gathered the, uh, the ulama from the various parts of the Muslim world. Uh, he spoke to them and he reminded them of how the Muslim world uh, was one day uh, a beacon of hope, and he told them to look at uh, where we are now uh, and uh, that, that the way to restore back 
uh, Arab and Muslim civilization was through extending hands to the rest of the world. Um, he uh, uh, was uh, actually able to get their enthusiasm and approval and interest in this. And uh, uh, I think uh, in, in the summer of 2008, we had a meeting, a big conference in Madrid attended by King Juan Carlos and by representative of the representatives of the various faiths and religions and the philosophies. That was something that I guess only happens to a person once in a lifetime. All of these people were there with the hope uh, to, to speak to, to each other, to understand each other, to uh, listen to each other. Uh, and as a result, I think I've attended some of the discussions. Uh, it was a, a, an unrivaled experience and a very beautiful one. And, and uh, the result was increased understanding between religions and culture. After that, I think King Abdullah did something that was never done before, which is elevating the whole issue of uh, dialogue between religions and cultures to a new plateau. Uh, when he, in fact, called for the UN General Assembly to meet uh, last March uh, uh, in, in New York. Leaders from around the world came, they, they talked, they argued, they listened to each other. I remember sitting in, in, the, uh, 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 in the back seats and seeing um, a lady carrying her folders with two people with her, and I said, who is this? And they said, this is the president of Finland. She gave a fantastic speech on why we need uh, to bridge those divides, why we need uh, intercultural uh, dialogue and interfaith dialogue. Uh, it was uh, a speech full of hope and full of uh, encouragement. And I asked, was she there to, was she there as part of a visit she's paying to the United States? Or was she there as part of business she's doing here in New York? And they told me, no, she just came. Uh, someone in her party told me that, that the president just came because she believed in dialogue. She believed in that this is the right path to bring peace and understanding to, uh, to our world. So that, again, was uh, a sign of great success for a vision uh, that King Abdullah has, or his vision of, of uh, reaching out to the rest of the world. Uh, now, the uh, fourth uh, track, and, and one, of course, that is also very important, and one that I'm sure we, you, you probably think about a great deal is the, is the track of peace. When, when the uh, Arab peace uh, plan was signed in, in Beirut in 2002, it was the first uh, Arab peace proposal that was signed by every Arab country. There were no exceptions. Everybody was on board. And it was the first time that you had a unanimous 
Arab position on something as critical, as important as uh, uh, peace uh, 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 in our part of the world. This was, I guess, another great success and one that, that of course, in terms of the future of uh, our part of the world and in terms of the future of, of our country is, uh, is uh, really uh, a, a great, uh, I guess, uh, a, a great achievement. Uh, if you look at many of the countries in our part of the world, in, in, in the Middle East, in the Arab world, great resources have been wasted on wars. Great opportunities have been lost. Uh, great, great many lives have been, uh, uh, I mean, lost uh, needlessly. So the idea of, of, uh, of peace uh, in our part of the world uh, was finally uh, uh, accepted to everyone in the Arab world. Unfortunately, uh, and as you know, it takes two to tango, uh, the other party did not join. And uh, this is a long story, but I'm not here to go over this, but I am saying that uh, King Abdullah's vision for the future of our country, which revolves around uh, the uh, education, uh, economic uh, improvement, um, uh, dialogue within the country and with the rest of the world, and of course the, the fourth pillar, which is peace, uh, is now uh, being realized. Uh, and uh, as a result, we are enjoying the fruits of this uh, uh, in Saudi Arabia and, uh, uh, and around the world. Uh, I cannot uh, belabor these points uh, too much, but uh, I will um, maybe uh, end uh, my remarks with uh, an observation made by students at the College of Business Administration uh, in a recent study, uh, the College of Business Administration at Harvard University, in a recent study of theirs. The, the observation eloquently and briefly some, some things up some of them in, in this way. During the past three and a half years, King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia has been able to achieve unprecedented changes in the history of Saudi Arabia. Thank you very much, and I would like to probably elaborate on some of these things and, uh, during the, uh, the question and answer period. Thank you. Thank you very much. Madam Ambassador, uh, Dr. El Said, uh, Your Excellencies, um, the various questions that were provided me actually have been answered or addressed in your remarks. Point one. Point two is that it is now 2.30. Point three is that within 30 seconds, I would like for the speakers of this next section to come forward to replace our distinguished speakers you've just listened to. Thank you both.